Hey all, welcome back to the Fire and Water Cooking Podcast. I am Darren, I am your host, and today I've got my friends Kevin Liddell and Lloyd Capuccio back on. We're going to talk about food preservation, retort canning, and all kinds of different things uh, food science related. So I'll be right back with Lloyd and Kevin, and we'll talk about retort canning and food preservation. Smoking, grilling, getting hot and hotter. Hey all, I want to introduce you to a company I just started working with, Fresh Jack's Organic Spices out of Jacksonville, Florida. They're a small, family-run company that's fast-growing. I've tried a bunch of their different seasoning blends and spices, and I can tell you they're all fresh. All organic. None of them contain artificial flavors or sweeteners. None of them have anti-caking agents or preservatives. They all taste like they were just made for you yesterday. Check them out, guys. They're on Amazon in the link below. They have different sample packs, different blends. Like I said, they also have the individual seasonings and spices as well. Fresh Jack's Organic Spices. Check them out, guys. I love them. Well, thanks for joining us. We're back at the Fire and Water Cooking Podcast. It's been a while since I've done one of these. Had to take some time off, but I want to welcome back Lloyd Capuccio and Kevin Liddell. They are my buddies. We're back to do a podcast and talk about just about everything today. I've had to take some time off. to. Uh, I started a new job, and it's riding me ragged. haven't had time to do a podcast lately, so I wanted to put one together with me and Lloyd and Kevin so that we can... Just get back to talking about things we love to do. So welcome back, Lloyd. Aaron, thank you for having me again on the podcast. Love I'm sorry, it's here. Jamie. I'm sorry, Jamie, not Lloyd. I'm using my wife's account. She's got a better account than I do. Gotcha. She's a teacher, and, so. And welcome back, Kevin Liddell. He has got a haircut, so he's looking dapper. First haircut in 15 months. Good to be back. Yeah, it's starting to clear up the COVID thing, starting to, you know, clear up some. Everybody's getting vaccinated, you know, except for me and Lloyd. But hey, you know, Kevin's vaccinated. That's all that matters. <laughs> well, he's not wearing a mask, which is kind of nice. Well, well we kind of prefer of Kevin people, to wear masks. A lot, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people disagree with that statement, Lloyd. <laughs> yeah. We wanted him to wear a mask before uh, COVID came. So, Well, I, I would help right now with the reflection off the top of his head. No. Yeah, I got to I need some of that football blackout stuff they put under their eyes. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to switch it to gallery view so we can they can see us all talking at the same time. I we like the Brady bunch. <laughs> all right, so let's let's talk a little bit. I got a couple topics we want to talk about. Um, you know, we've all been doing a little bit different things lately and one of the things I'm starting to experiment with and I think Lloyd was trying to as well is retort canning. Um when I started the vacuum sealer Facebook group, I've gotten a lot of interest and in, a lot more interest than I thought that I would get um, in chamber sealers and especially uh, retort canning and mylar uh, sealing. And those are kind of specialty items. And I really never looked into it much. Um, retort cans, if you're not familiar with them. If you go to the store and you see those little bags of tuna that you can buy on the shelf, they're like a little aluminum uh, bag. This is actually a metal flexible can. Um, they call these retort bags and it's just like a, like a regular can that's got metal and plastic 
in it. And that's where you'll see a lot of the, you know, tuna and chicken and soups and stuff in these cans. And, um, a lot of people are use these for, uh, prepping, you know, for MREs, uh, uh, instead of using the glass jars, they'll use these, you know, to can with. And uh, so I'm actually going to start doing some of this. And there's not a lot of information out there um, for people to look up on videos and stuff online. So I figured it would be something I can explore and 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 try out and see if it works. I live in Florida where we got hurricanes every year and all kinds of storms. The power goes out for days on end sometimes. So they you know, my wife's always wanted to have a lot of stuff, you know, stored up in case of emergency. And this would just, you know, this type of canning, it actually, it makes it so you can actually have more um, product without worrying about them falling and breaking. You know, if you, this was in a glass jar and, it, you know, you had something happen, it fell off your shelf, it would smash and your food's gone. They also, the glass jars take up a lot more room than, than some of this stuff. So you can actually have more of these and, you know, uh, store them easier. So there's a lot of benefits to it. Like I said, I've got a lot of questions about it and I got a lot of people asking me um, how to do it or what different kinds of sealers do it. So Lloyd, you kind of looked into it too. I know that you, you were looking into your vacuum sealer if it can do it. And so far it does not. I tried a bag or two, actually three bags. I got the uh, VacMaster VP VP three twenty one. The um, heat time the max is three seconds. Initially, it looks like it's sealing, but after about forty five minutes, it comes undone. It creates a great vacuum, but it comes undone. I, I need I need Plan B. Like you suggested, I'm going to contact VacMaster and see if I can get a, a different sealing bar. See if I can swap that out. So I have two sealing bars in my machine. You can buy external sealers. You can buy sealing bars that aren't built into the machine as well. I saw that, and they're like 110 bucks. So what I could do, I thought, was seal it with the VP321. creates a great vacuum. It's sealed. You have like 45 minutes before it pops up, and then then seal it down with the other bar. That's that's an option I've been been considering. Yeah, you just got to be careful with that. I know is that make sure that you get at least your initial seal doesn't let any of the air in. And then if you can, you know, take it right out and then hit it with that other sealer mm-hmm. bar and just make sure it's going to be it. But the VAC 100 that I like and that I've used when I first um, got it. And um, when they first started selling them JVR, they didn't have a um, seal bar that would handle the retort bags, but they came out with one, the manufacturer that they get the VAC 100 from, they went to them and said, Hey, we want a seal bar that will work for retort because they were getting a lot of requests for it as well. And, you know, so it's something that they don't have to produce a whole other machine for it. They just need to put a heavier duty seal bar. So this will fit in my VAC 100. I can take out the original seal bar and just place this one in and just up the uh, seal bar time or the sealing time. And they send you, when you buy one of these, um, uh, bars they send you the times for both oh, mylar nice. and uh, retort uh, bags and they tell you what the cooling oh, wow. time is and the ceiling time so they have they they pretty much give you what you need they don't sell the retort bags but there's a couple places online and mylar bags if you're not familiar with mylar bags they look similar to retort but they're really not retort bags they're um more like um the stuff that you, potato chip bags you see you know, like they've got a little bit of metal in them, but they're not really thick. 
and um, but they're a little bit they're still harder to seal than a regular vacuum bag. But long term um, storage for like grains is what they're yeah, used stuff for like that. Yeah, because it um, they're they don't let any light in and all that kind of stuff. So anything that's mm -hmm. you know sensitive to light and stuff like that. So they're mostly uh, going to use oxygen uh, absorbers. Absorbers. Also. Yeah, I was just going to yeah. say that. Does a JVR one hundred cost? How, what does a JVR one hundred cost? Nine hundred seven seven ninety nine. If you use the code Fire and Water. Ooh, that's not bad. Have a whole yeah. separate machine. Wife would kill me. But, <laughs> I mean, life would kill me, but be kind of nice. Well, and that's my that's that's my main chamber sealer. I mean, it it does everything I need it to do. I don't um, if I have anything really big that I want to vacuum seal, I just use the uh, the channel vac and just use the double the the bigger um, expandable right, right. bags. If I do a brisket or something, most of the stuff that I seal is, is I can fit in that and um, right and and have no problems with it that time so. my, my vp 321 i just love that thing i mean i do three gallons of <laughs> stew or stocks or, or three gallons it'll hold a, a liquid it's just amazing so this um if you don't have any, any of you either of you guys have done any canning like regular canning with ball jars oh, yeah. or anything like that okay yeah so the the process is very similar except for um you can use your like i said the vac uh, the chamber vacuum, if it has, you know, properly equipped to, to use the retort bags to vacuum seal all the air out. Then you put them in the pressure canner, which uh, I went ahead and bought and an American, I guess you got one of these two, Lloyd, the all I have the, I have the biggest one, the 40, 40 quart, 41.5. But again, yeah. I'm the only guy that can lift it. There you yeah. go. Throw lifting weights. You could have got a bigger one. Yeah. So I've, these I've, are, I have the 16 and a half quart. So these are the, uh, I would say the Ferrari of the uh, pressure cookers. This is yes, not an Instapot. <laughs> this is not a cheap <laughs> Instapot. This is something, the one I bought, I bought kind of like the medium sized one and it was $300 yeah. on Amazon. And, um, so they're expensive, but they are made to last you. They'll probably, Forever. yeah, they'll probably Forever. dig these up, you know, a thousand years from now and they'll find these complete intact and can use it like a Glock, you know, if you, if you look <laughs> on uh, fa Facebook marketplace, you can find some of those that are 40 years old. I oh, mean, yeah. they're ancient. Yeah. And they, it's worth uh, mentioning. They do uh 10 pounds and 15 pounds too, based on the weight. You just have to flip it over. So have you, Looked at yours yet? They actually that's do five, ten, and fifteen. They yeah, do five, ten, and fifteen. It's got more on it. Oh, it's got more than yeah. that on it. It actually it's got like three or four holes on there. You just kind of flip. Yeah, it. I think Kevin said five, ten. I think mine's only yeah. ten and fifteen. I believe I, I'd have to look at. It. Um, I only I only but, use fifteen anyway. I never use ten yeah. and five. Yeah, I think uh, fifteen is designed for elevations above two thousand feet. Although I only use fifteen also, just to go because I think it's two hundred fifty-one degrees. Uh, Fahrenheit, which is going to so, kill yeah, everything. So, I mean, it's got, you know, these books that come with it can pretty much walk you through anything you need to do. And for what I understand, the retort, um, process is very similar to the, the canning process. So the temperatures, the pressure and everything is pretty much the same. The only thing I heard you want to do with the retort pouches is you want to make sure you stack them in there. Like we were talking about earlier, you stack them in there mm -hmm. a little tighter because you don't want them to, the bags can tend to expand when they're cooking and they can blow out the seams. But if you pack them in there um, a little bit tighter, you can avoid that. But you also, that means you need to cook them a little bit longer than you would if they were in a jar so that they can 
get through all the mass of all the food in there. So, so if you were in 90 minutes, you'd do like 120 or something like that. Also, this is your canner is better than mine because think about my canner holds 19 one quart jars. You realize how many bags I'd have to put in there to make it a tight fit? So, I think actually, uh, Kevin's canner is probably better than all of ours. You could probably actually take you know how the chamber vacuums have uh you know they give you blocks of plastic to f- take mm-hmm. up space in there you could probably yeah. do something like that you know put something in there to take up the extra put space. water put some put some, <laughs> uh, some canning jars in there with water with the lid on or something yeah or just so the weight it down you could do that figure yeah. something out yeah but uh it's interesting i've been trying to think about what i would do with retort uh stuff it'd be fun to play with but i don't necessarily see like play like, with exactly I, I can't i can't like my local wegmans has beautiful yellowfin tuna but i looked at it the other it was 32 dollars a pound so you know i can't compete with like a you know a two dollar pack of albacore from starkest it's already done in that you know, already done retort cooking um, it's more so of a curiosity. To, curiosity it's curiosity yeah. is all it is it's, yeah, it's not practical for us no but like yeah. darren said it, it could be for you know her, her, you know, power outages and mm-hmm. camping and that sort of stuff. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's fun to play with it. I'm, I'm interested. In it. I'm going to start, I'm going to play around with it. So you did some canning, uh, before regular canning before you said Lloyd, right? Yeah, I have uh, chili stews, stocks, everything. And, um, I loved it. Oh my God. I mean, I can get 19 one quart jars in my pressure canner and, uh, go big, go home. So I loved it. Uh, yeah. Of course, I have a 40-quart stock pot, too, that can hold all my stuff. So, Yeah, now, I remember my mom used to do some back when I was growing up, back in the 70s. She used to she used to can a lot of different stuff. She'd, she'd can, you know, fresh vegetables in the, you know, in the summer so we could have them in the winter because we grew up in upstate New York. So, you know, it was hard to find any kind of, you know, vegetables, uh, you know, that were fresh back then, you know, in the winter time. So she would, she had a pantry full of canned stuff that, um, she wow. can, you know, during the fall. And, uh, so she had a big pantry full of that stuff. So, but I don't really remember how to do it. I've never really done it myself. Mm. So, uh, I never really had an interest to do it because I know it takes up a lot of room and stuff. And, you know, it's just as easy to go buy a bunch of cans at the store anymore, you know? Uh, <laughs> so, but this kind of intrigues me because it's something different. So something a lot of people are doing, you know, you know preppers, if you want to say preppers, but people just, you know, preparing for, you know, storms and stuff like that, just to have some extra food on hand that can last without refrigeration and, and, uh, any kind of, uh, temp control, uh, for a while. And that's, that's the reason I'm looking at it. So a curiosity and something something we haven't done before. Exactly. It's something we haven't done before and it's something we can play around with and see if there's a, a use for it. And I think the way these bags kind of lay out, it's to me, they take up a lot more, a lot less space than, than these jars would. And it makes it a little easier if you um, don't want to dedicate, you know, a whole closet full of uh, cans. You can put four, I'm looking at the boxes behind you. You can put 40 of those bags in one of those boxes easily. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and you can put all kinds of different stuff in it. Now that's another thing that I've seen that, you know, stuff like fish or chicken that cooks really quick, you, you kind of put it raw in there and then have it, the pressure canner kind of cook it 
but mm-hmm. stuff like pork and beef and any other kind of red meat, they always suggest that you actually cook that beforehand and then finish it up in the pressure canner. So, um, I guess so vegetables, you can kind of partial, partial cooking. Do either yeah. you guys, uh, so you can can, uh, in a stock pot with boiling water. There are certain right. things you can can. You don't necessarily need a pressure cooker, but if you are doing low, low acid be, foods, if you're doing low acid the pH foods, is going to be below 4.6 though. Yeah. Yeah. If you're doing foods, yeah, the, the pH is very important. So if the, it's low in acid, uh, then you need, you need a pressure canner. Um, if you're doing a tomato sauce, you're fine. You can do it. You can do it in a, in a stock pot. Although what they've talked about with tomato sauce or even tomatoes, the, um, the new tomatoes that are produced on the vine. Oh, they're um, doing lower acid. Yeah. It's lower acid tomatoes. Yeah. So now you have to get a pH reader, read it, or then you're going to use some kind of citric acid or add some, uh, vinegar to it or lemon juice. You got to basically increase the acidity. I'm glad I have a pH. I'm glad I have a pH reader. So do I. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta get up below 4.6. Gotta get up below 4.6. Yep. Just another to have, I guess. Below 4.6 is hard to achieve. But you you do want to be safe. I think the dangers of canning are a little overblown uh, as far as numbers, but they are there. Um, you know, they're probably, I, I haven't looked up the statistics, but I don't think, I don't think canning is, is that as dangerous as many people perceive it. And so it scares a lot of people off. Let me offer you this analogy. I think going to a salad bar is more dangerous than actually eating food from a can. Or, or eating, going just to a restaurant, just going to a restaurant. Yeah. Eating, <laughs> eating bean sprouts from the grocery store. Right. <laughs> oh, yes. Very true. Or going to Chipotle. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> they have it all the time where they get their uh, people are getting listeria from eating from their lettuce and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I think it's just like gotcha. any, it's like with sous vide, people are still, you know, they, oh, how can it be safe? It's in the danger zone, you know, and all that. You know, oh, I've had people I actually had people and the vacuum sealer group kind of comment on the post I did showing the canner and they're like, Oh, this you you got to make sure you do it right because you know I don't think it's been fully approved by the FDA and blah blah blah. And it's like it yeah, can't like be any more dangerous than regular canning. It, 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 you yeah, know, and and why don't you go you know check in your cupboard and see if you have any pouches of tuna sitting in there? Exactly. <laughs> tell me, no, tell sure. me the FDA FDA didn't approve it. Well, well the FDA they, they're full of it. Sorry, they're full of it. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of the stuff in the USDA. With a lot of the stuff that they put out there is over, over uh, a protective, you know, so that they can say it's like the the hot coffee warning on a cup of coffee at McDonald's. You know, they got to make the warning hot liquid, you know, big, so that when you spill it, you can't sue them anymore. So <laughs> I read an article where uh, the uh, FDA hired all these scientists that come up with uh, pasteurization tables for proteins. Um, and the scientists said, uh, for poultry, all you need is about a five log reduction, a five, uh, D log reduction, which is a hundred thousand to one or 99.9999% pathogen reduction, uh, for beef and pork and stuff like that, a 4.5 D log reduction. The FDA goes, thank you. We'll do a 6.5 and seven, a seven. Seven. Yeah. yeah. For poultry. <laughs> now think about the seven versus the five. <laughs> Five is a hundred thousand to one. It's actually an virtually an exponential exponential. 10 million (laughs) to one. And their reason they're making you safer. 
Yeah. Now, but mathematically, you know, I'm actually writing for your viewers uh, an article on safety and sous vide. But mathematically, if you're cooking, let's say, poultry at, at 150, go from, let's say, a, a five to a seven is a matter of 13 or 14 seconds. It's, it's not significant. But I don't like it when the government says, we're going to keep you safer, so we're going to create these rules for you. Well, so, plus, like, you know, so the 40 to 140 thing they recommend, you know, the, as the danger oh zone. That's crap. You know, as, as we talked about it, 107 is the the average of pathogenic bacteria when they yes. pro- prolificate the most. Some are better lower temperatures, some are better at higher, but that's the average. And so that you got four hours there. So if you're at 41 degrees, you know, which is in the danger zone, you, you probably have a few days, you have days for that food to be safe, you know? So to, to give you some, uh, some math, right? Um, so at 40 degrees, if I'm not mistaken for salmonella, it would take 1.8 years, actually, as opposed to 107 at four hours. So 107, let's say four hours for a certain log to be created for salmonella, but at 40 degrees, one point, I think it's 1.8 years or 1.3 years. I forgot the number, but it's significant. It's, it's significant. It's all crap. It's, also well, it's just like the it's fatality, like the, uh, fatality okay. rate for fatality rate for salmonella is less than 1%. Right. Yeah. So if you, but, if you get it, you have less than a 1% chance of dying. So, Similar um, along the lines of the Costco steaks. I was talking to a friend. Oh of mine God! Him. I had them over the other day, and um, you know they said, "Oh yeah, I love Costco steaks." And they're like, "Well, did you ever read the label?" And he's like, "What do you mean?" I said, "Well, they got this big warning on the label because they blade tenderize their steaks that you need to cook all your steaks at 165." That's like, see what and he's like. Who the hell's gonna cook their steak to 165? <laughs> it's like nobody. I said, but they put that on there so they cover their butt in case somebody gets C-Y-A. sick. Because cover your ass. <laughs> I said, cover your ass. you know, who's gonna buy a nice thick ribeye steak and then burn it to death? You know, to make sure. So, that- <laughs> what's interesting is if you think about HACCP, and, and Kevin can talk about this because you've taken the course. Not to mention you're a professional chef, but in restaurants, when it comes to fish let's say salmon and tuna and cod, um, there is no pasteurization tables because uh, people don't like that. No one wants a a, a fish cooked at 165 degrees. (laughs) So you will get a fish that's probably served you at 125 and it's not pasteurized, but the government's okay with it. In their literature, it'll say 145 for 15 seconds is suggested but that's not even based on science. That's just like, well, what the hell? Let's throw a number out there. It's all bull. Yeah, my sushi yeah. bar doesn't cook their fish very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Although, a lot of it, though, oh, is frozen, though. They it's frozen, frozen for the it is. I'll, I'll tell you what, though. I, there are a lot of top-end sushi restaurants. And the one I have near me, which is very good, uh, they get in fresh fish, and they serve it raw, which I believe is illegal. Theoretically, yeah. According I mean, to it, the FDA, you got to freeze it. So yeah. So one of the things that um, you know, we had the my power went out again, so we had to cut this off again. But you um, need a generator. One of the uh, yeah. the biggest toxins or you know pathogens that is worried with canning is botulism. It's not really salmonella or uh, anything listeria. It's more botulism, you know, and that's uh, one of the big worries because it's 
it can really, you know, mess you up. And that's when you see like, uh, I don't know if you ever watch, uh, hoarders that show hoarders. <laughs> My wife watches the show hoarders and it's people that's the that, that, they, they keep that's everything, insane. you know, but there was this one show where the woman kept food in her refrigerator that was oh. like for like five or six years. And she would, the, her whole determination and whether she could eat it or not, was whether the bag was poofy or not. <laughs> <laughs> so if nice. it was poofy with botulism growing and you know exploding out then then it was okay to eat it was just one of the most disgusting things i've ever seen but what a great natural standard. selection yeah, natural selection <laughs> at its best yeah. <laughs> that was our, you know i know it's you know yogurt and it's been in there for six years but it's not poofy so i can still eat it so well, yogurt's supposed to have bacteria yeah exactly. <laughs> well so. think about it uh penicillin yeah probably gonna help her she gets the flu i'll eat some yogurt she can eat the bread the moldy bread that is Check penicillin hey <laughs> i'm a self-prescribe right so what else you've been talking about you so you're writing this whole new uh blog you said uh Lloyd. yeah it's a new article on food safety and it's it's unfortunate because when you get into one subject you open up this can of weeds and 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 I'm wordy. I'm long winded. Everything I do is just, no. It's not. It's not. Oh, I'm heartbroken. The kosher dosher blog. Every 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 article is in and of itself. It's an hour to read. Well, and then you got to read it again because you got to. You well, can't understand half of it in, in one reading. So. I consider my audience, and I I try to accommodate the lowest common denominator. You, Darren. So. <laughs> I, <laughs> So I make it very easy to read. So I, I figure if the layman who doesn't cook, doesn't know anything about food, can understand what I'm writing, then I'm, I'm, I'm a success. Mm. You know, Fish but, salt, uh, good. Mm, yum, yum, me eat. <laughs> um, <laughs> so like, I'll give you an example, right? And, and I had to go back and edit something to make it even more clear. But someone said, um, wrote me and said, hey, my steak was too salty. I, I used your formula. I used uh, 0.6% of salt on my steak. Okay, so then I, it was way, way too salty. So I, I respond with, okay, did you use a scale? Yes, I did. Did you use a gram scale? Yes. Did you use a gram scale that goes out to at least a hundredth or a thousandth of a decimal? Right, he goes. Well, no, he's my regular gram scale. Well, that only measures up to one gram. So for it to even register, you have to throw a lot of salt on that scale. Well, I did the I I did what he did on my regular gram scale versus my my scale that only weighs up to two hundred grams, and he put on like twelve percent. I mean, he put on so much salt. That's he, a little high. He put, <laughs> he, he put on so much salt because his scale was just not designed to to measure in, in those micro uh, uh, amounts so I, I try to dumb i always use the word dumb down but i try to make it easy to understand so getting back into the food safety blog or article i'm writing it just opens up a can of worms so you, you jump from one subject to another subject to another subject you get into like the the uh uh i can't pronounce it clostridium um, um perfingrins oh thank you no, i can't no, pronounce that's it a... yeah clostridium preferences Perfringens, yeah, it's Perfringens. a tough one. It's a big Worcester, word. Worcestershire sauce. Oh my gosh! Right. So you get into you get into that. You get into the weeds, and you get you guys are reading a footnotes. You got to get into the science, and and people make these these cases where 
you gotta do this, you gotta do that. I wonder why. Like at least in the early two thousands, um, even into the mid two thousands, the recommended temperature for Suvi is one thirty. Do not go below one thirty. And but they never give a reason. So I'm exploring that. And I'm giving my opinions on why you can't go below one thirty. And uh, a lot of my references, of course, is Modern Cuisine, Baldwin, reading Baldwin's notes and bibliography and, and going to their references. If you actually get into their references, holy crap, uh, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing. Mind, uh, so, One of the things that, you know, I was uh, <laughs> impressed with, with Baldwin when I had him on the podcast. Was, oh, he's a genius, Scott. He even said he, he used 130 because he knew he was writing this for everybody. You yeah, know, people people that are deep into it like him and us, you know, we understand the science behind it, and we understand that we can go lower if certain criteria, you know, are doing it a certain way. But well, is a machine wrote, calibrated? It, for example, yeah, yeah. If, if he wrote it for every, the every man, and kind of what absolutely. the USDA does and everything else is, absolutely. they they do it over, you know, overly done so that they can make sure that well, somebody can say. You know, well, I did 120, you know, like every once in a while in the Facebook group, somebody will oh, those are, up, they're idiots. I did 120 degrees for 24 hours. It's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> or how about the guy does, he does a three inch ribeye, does 120 for two hours and says it came out terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, decided I don't, what I don't happened. like, I don't like <laughs> steak done sous vide. Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah. There's plenty of people like that. I did it once know, and I, I did it wrong. And right. it's oh, my not my fault. So, so Dr. Baldwin, Dr. Baldwin, the doctor now, um, is so thorough. So people quote Dr. Baldwin, they're actually not really quoting him. They'll take like a sentence. But if you go back and read his stuff, he, he's very, very thorough. But people fail to read all of his stuff. They, they fail to read if you're in your compromise. Uh, um, he goes into great details about how he did the math and everything, but people want to quote like one thing, one, right. one little sentence. And then use they, that they, as the, cherry pick you know, yeah, this reference. is the, yeah. And then they, that's it. That's it. It's, you can't do anything other than that's, you know, that you got those type of people in some of the Facebook groups too, that they and some you got to use Baldwin and you got to do it exactly the way he says it. Well, you know, there is some, you know, <laughs> there's so some also room. when he wrote that, I believe it was 2008, 2009, you know, as far as I know, my first machine I bought was in 2009, probably science, uh, the chef series. Uh, other than that, I'm, I'm trying to think what was available uh, back then. Other than, you know, our crock pots with a PID controller. Let's be honest, that's not accurate. So, yeah, maybe 130 might have been really, really good when using a PID controller. Because I know what I did, I don't know about Kevin, what I did didn't taste very good. It was hit and miss. And as far as being safe, uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so 130 might have been appropriate back in 2008, 2009 um because machines were not available now of course yeah. and they weren't as accurate not, yeah that, no not at all yeah so okay the, so hydro let's, pro, let's... the hydro pro for example you can calibrate that all right well let's get back to uh food prepping a little bit and uh Ooh, i love up. food prepping i do big uh, stuff you know have that. you guys ever done uh freeze drying i've, I've uh i actually oh, just watched God. a video today of a buddy of mine who um has to. a youtube channel who i i um uh, I've followed for a long time. I had him on my pod. He's one of the first guys I had on my podcast. It's called the list of bar- barbecue. He's got a dehydrate or a freeze dryer. <laughs> and he does a lot of prepping. 
He does a lot of prepping. Like Cheap, yeah. Cheapest one is like $5,000. No, he didn't say how much his was, but he had one of those. It looks kind of like a dryer, you know, thing. You, and, can, get uh, them, you can get them under $3,000. Really? Yeah. For me, it's I'll all about room. I'll send you a link. They make different models, but the smallest model is under three thousand. I believe. I think it's you like twenty eight hundred. Do a lot. You can't do a lot, but I, I now tell me what's your opinion. Do you think the freeze dry would be better than retort? I don't know because the thing I like more about the retort is I can cook the food, put it in the retort, and then just eat it like that. I don't have to, you know, rehydrate it. Right, right. Like that. That's true. Or, both have know, I can eat it. I don't have to heat it up if I don't want to. I can just eat it right out of the package. If it's so, if it's freeze dried, you know, you could probably eat it, but it's like eating styrofoam. You know, it's it like so, it's not going to be good. It's not like a jerky. It's more like literally right, right. styrofoam. It's freeze. It's freeze dried. Astronaut ice cream was a big yeah. thing. That, well, yeah. I got to tell you, I was up at Chef Steps, you know, for a tour, and I was talking to all the guys, Grant and all, and who's the other guy? That's an amazing person. Anyway, he made ice cream that was freeze-dried oh dear god it was amazing this eating freeze-dried ice cream was wow it was an experience it was an experience but yeah i, I mean like i don't think i want to spend the money on something like that i mean with doing uh freeze-drying you know i don't think i'm that hardcore of a prepper <laughs> it's not for me it's not about preparation but i've never done it before what the hell it would right. just be cool to do if i had the freaking room if you had like a huge garden, uh, I could see that being something that you might want to do. Uh, just because, as far as the amount of weight reduction and space that you could save, uh, as opposed to canning everything, would be impressive. Uh, I believe they work through sublimation. Uh, they use a oil vacuum pump, and they create a bit of a vacuum, and they freeze it. And then they slowly bring it back up to temperature. The water sublimates out of the product, and that's what creates the freeze drying and removes all the water. Um, but it's pretty neat. I mean, I, I've thought about, you know, I've looked at them for a while. Like I said, I told you there was one you could get for like 2800 and I think it probably goes up to like 4000 for their biggest model uh, for a home use one. But you know, that's pretty expensive, <laughs> you know, for something I'm not sure. Like, I don't have a huge garden or anything. So I don't know if there's any really, I, if I really, you know, I'm not, it's a not practical. I'm not, it's a G whiz. It's a G right. whiz thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. like with this retort, the retort thing, I already have the, the chamber sealer and this yeah. actually, they sent this to me to do some videos with it, but it's 50 bucks. So, you know, a regular person, yeah. they, if I spent, you know, $700 on my chamber sealer. I spend another 50 for a specialized, you know, seal bar. And right, then I right. spend the money on the pouches. You do have to get the pressure canner, but you don't have to get the $300 pressure canner. Like I did, you can get cheaper ones out there for a hundred bucks and, you know, you can use that for other things as well. So you can get yeah. into it under, you know, a couple hundred bucks, pretty easy, you know, whereas freeze dryer, you know, I'm not going to spend even three grand on something that it's more of a toy to play around with the sea. I'm not going to sit here and freeze dry everything, you know, and just, you know, Hey, look, toys are cool. Toy, toys are, <laughs> I cool. have a, I have a cheap dehydrator that I can use to dehydrate stuff, but, um, you know, that's I, got a com- I have a commercial line. I have a commercial line. Of course you do. Lloyd. So, so, <laughs> so we, we all have an all American canner, which like we said is the Ferrari yeah. of canners, but, uh, for a relatively, 
moderate price presto i think is probably the yeah the presto is usually like 100 bucks uh, yeah. 70 to 80 100 bucks i was but looking at good. those and um i was going to get one of those but i said you know what i might as well what if i what if i was lloyd what would i get well <laughs> one of the, the bigger things, one one of the benefits <laughs> one of the benefits of the all-american is it doesn't have a gasket like the press all no, the other ones have right. gaskets so what kind of dehydrating have you done you guys jerky and all that kind of oh, stuff oh god i've got all stuff yeah. Done everything. You name it. I've done it. I've done fruits and, and, and uh garlic, black garlic, take it to the black garlic stage, and then put it in the dehydrator for a long freaking time. It takes a long time. And uh don't do it in your house. <laughs> no, black <laughs> garlics, yeah. That's you gotta leave that out. The smell, I did the it. smell I did is it. ridiculous. Well, initially it's kind of cool because it's like a pizzeria. Then all of a sudden it's like it's not a pizzeria, it's like it changes. It's, 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 oh god, it does. It's not a so, good smell. Uh, now, I have the Excalibur uh, NSF all stainless steel 10 tray dehydrator, and I've done just about everything in there from fruit juices to apples to jerky, of course. Um, um, I've just done everything, and it's, it's great. Banana chips, of course. Now, that uh, kind of lots stuff. Lots of black garlic. That, that's um, kind of stuff you can actually use in your mylar type bags. And so you do a bunch of fruit and dehydrate it. Yeah, absolutely. Use your mylar bags to vacuum seal all the air out. You wouldn't need any oxygen eaters in it. Right. Um, Cause you would just be able to vacuum seal it in a mylar bag and then store it on the shelf, you know, you for know, a long period of time as well. It's worth mentioning also that, you know, <clears throat> if, if you get into dehydration or jerky, my dog's in here. Um, there's a lot of rules and how to reduce pathogen proliferation, blah, blah, blah. Do it in what, 60, 10 minutes, acid. Um, but what you can do if you wanted to is after you make your jerky, if you were going to serve this or give it to a person who has a compromised immune system, you can actually sous vide the jerky to pasteurize it after the fact. You're still stacking very high in your, in your bags. You know, maybe go an inch and then, 135 for however long you want to, to pasteurize it, but you could pasteurize your jerky. So what other shelf stable stuff have you done besides? So you got, you got the retorts or the canning that we talked about. We talked about um, dehydration, dehydration and, and well, uh, we can talk about sous vide a little bit. So if, if you pasteurize, if you sous vide, you bring it to the point of pasteurization, you shock it properly with a proper amount of ice. And we've talked about that. Well, if your refrigerator temperatures are below 36.5, you're good for 90 days in your refrigerator with sous vide products. And I believe below 38 is 30 days and above it up to 41 is 10 days. So I've d- sous vide I've cooking. I've done three months. I did a brisket. Uh, now that the refrigerator downstairs is pretty darn cold. I haven't measured it lately, but it used to be around 34, 35. Perfect. Um, yeah. And, uh, I did, a, a brisket. I took the flat, I separated the flat, the point basically took all the exterior fat off of it. And then I did a dry brine for, I think a week. Uh, and then I just let it sit and I forgot about it. <laughs> I think I went three and a half months and I was like, geez, I wonder if this is okay. And, uh, I, you know, I was looking, I was like, going to see if there's a puffy bag or anything, any off odors. I opened see? it up and puffy bag. I, uh, and then I, I, oh no, wait, sorry. I dry brined it. Then I cooked it sous vide. Then I put it in the freeze in the fridge and forgot about it. 
So it had already been pasteurized um, and salted as well. And then I took it out and it, it was fine. Put it on the smoker. It was one of the best briskets I ever had. I did it. I think it was dry aged then. Yeah, basically, I did it for like 132 degrees yeah. for well, 72 age, hours. Right? What age? Oh, yeah. so the, the log reduction. One, so the log reduction is probably 70. <laughs> oh, it's huge. Yeah. Or 70. Seven, oh, yeah. yeah. After after the seven day salting period, the dry brine, uh, yeah, I cooked it for 72 hours at 132. So it was, yeah. Yeah. There so wasn't much going viewers, on in that bag. For reviewers, though, a log <laughs> of seven, right, is a 10 million to one. You know, so there's not enough freaking zeros. I mean, you know, a 70 log is, you know, one with, with, with 70 zeros, 70 zeros, zeros yeah. behind it. <laughs> yeah. So. Cool. Have you done any other kind of, what other kind of, you know, pr- pr- preserving is there out there that we're not even thinking about yet? Well, of course, you know, cold you can do mo- modified fish. atmosphere, modified atmosphere packaging. You see a lot of that, and those those uh, more higher end uh, commercial type vacuum sealers, where they they have the gas that they actually put in the packaging with the you know when they're vacuum sealing it as well. So. I was going it's a gas exchange, and I was going to do that. I was going to buy the VP five forty five that does the gas exchange, and the price difference between the VP five forty five forty five was insignificant, but um, at least in the Northwest, pricing out the gas tanks. It's cost prohibitive. You got to rent them. Now, is it nitrogen uh, that it pumps in there, or what? What does it pump you, in there? It, there's a uh, nitrogen, and there's also carbon dioxide. And depending on what you're processing, it could be either one or the other, or a combination of two, depending on the product. And uh, there's some other uh, measurements they use, but uh, either, either or or a combination of both. I think you can do carbon monoxide. I think you can do carbon monoxide, monoxide as well. Monoxide? You, you sure? I, yeah, I think you can. Uh, oh. when, when you see, and I'm not sure if it's packaging, but when you see uh, like yellowfin tuna that's, you know, frozen yellowfin tuna that has that nice pink color that you think that's, that's Ooh. been, that's been gassed with carbon monoxide. Cause it's a, it's a, it fixates the myoglobin. The myoglobin. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you could probably, I'm sure you could get carbon monoxide in there, fixate the myoglobin, whatever you're, you know, if there's myoglobin and whatever you're packaging. But it became, not, at least positive. for me, my research took me to where just, you just can't go out and buy a tank and get it filled. You got to rent them. And it's a cost prohibitive. It became cost prohibitive. But it cost me like, I think I estimated 600 bucks a year just to kind of rent this thing. I'm going to use every blue moon. You bake some cookies, you make some chips. You want to, basically, it's a novelty. Right. You know, uh, we want to seal a bag and have it like a potato chip bag. CO2 is got to be cheap, though. CO2 no, can't CO2, be that expensive. It's all cheap, but going to the person oh. that distributes the gas, getting the proper tank for your machine, they rent the tanks to. That's how they make their money. You know, and then you got to have an account and 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 uh, you got to pay per month. And another so, way to another way of preservation, which I do not know much about and i need to research it is high pressure packaging which is pretty high neat. pressure well explain that one to me okay um so you know like those boxes of milk you get that are shelf stable that last for yeah parmalat yeah that oh. sort of stuff so what they do is they 
package those under extreme. I mean, I think it's the equivalent of being 37 miles below the surface of the ocean. Oh, those are the, those are the the pressures that they're using and it kills any path. It kills everything because it's just, you know, I mean, the, the pressure is just outstanding. Um, so obviously you're not going to do that at home because it probably takes, you know, like a $5 million machine to do that, but it's something I, I need to research a little bit more. It's interesting. And I, and I only know of a few products, like I said, the milk, maybe a few others that they do the high pressure so packaging. It, it, it's, it's, it's a, a carton. Well, yeah. I, well, you've never I'm seen not, Parmalat milk. It's in like a, it's like a sippy cup type of thing and then, a big, no, yeah, like, never. it's it's like a, it sits on it. the shelf i mean it's, it's like a core stable so you, yeah, you can sit you know, that, on your shelf i for always years. wondered how they made that because it's like because milk goes bad you know yeah. pretty easy it just in refrigeration it goes bad like within a week i mean it's and it's nasty so you know always you know surprised me on how they could make you know a carton of milk shelf stable you know like that so so it's called high pressure canning what's it called kevin high pressure high high pressure packaging i believe hpp pressure pack okay Uh, because it's like a regular milk carton but it's a little bit thicker it's not metal or anything it's just it's like cardboard and but it's lined i think it's lined with something well maybe maybe some kind of foil or something some sort of plastic i think all right, guys. Well, I think we're going to wrap this thing up. Uh, interesting conversations on food uh, preservation here. So um, I think I, you got I to look- prove that we need it. You retort yeah. bags. I mean, you lost power three times, right? Twice. Exactly. Two, yeah. I lost Gosh. power. So, you know, you know, I got a lot of food in there. I'm going to start probably everything in my freezer. I'm just going to cook it up and retort it and have it stored in my closet from now on. So just in case. <laughs> But, you know, it's fun things to play around with. I think um, it's going to be interesting to see the different kinds of, you know, things you can actually you know, do with it. Um, I'm interested to see how much, you know, people actually watch the videos and stuff. Because, like I said, I was really surprised. And I didn't know much about it, you know, when, when I started the Facebook group. Well, thanks for joining me, guys. It was really interesting talking about food preservation. Hopefully we can, uh, maybe we'll talk about grilling and smoking next time since Ooh, it's uh, the summertime. So, and Lloyd's got to get rid of some of his uh, stuff so he can get new stuff. So, or his oh. wife won't talk to him anymore, but thanks for joining me. Thanks for Lloyd, the kosher dosher. Make sure you check out the kosher dosher blog. He's got a new, new uh, post. He says he's going to be coming out with soon with uh, pasteurization and food safety. safety yeah. It's going to be great. And Kevin, just keep looking for Kevin every once in a while. He'll get uh, in Facebook jail and it's always fun to, uh, you know, not talk to Kevin on Facebook for a while, but then he comes back and we can make fun of him. So thanks for joining us, Kevin. Check out sous vide food and fun on Facebook. So yeah, check out sous vide food and fun. You'll find all three of us on there and check out everything else. Fire and water cooking. I'll see you again on the next fire and water cooking podcast. Thanks for joining us guys. Bye guys. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye. Well, thanks for joining us guys. Hope you got some good information out of that. Make sure you follow the Fire and Water Cooking podcast. And make sure you follow the Fire and Water Cooking Facebook group and page. And I'll see you again in the next Fire and Water Cooking podcast.